0: Hello, and welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from common people. My name is Aaron Freinberger, and joining us today is Mike Connors. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, um, I grew up in church. You know, uh, I was one of those kids that my parents would take me every weekend. Well, my mom would. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were always going to church. But uh, once I started to get into my teenage years, um, I think friends and the things that, you know, young teenage kids are affected by started to take their... I started going down the wrong path, you could say. And I went on my own way. And uh, I just wanted to do my own thing. And like, I love to drink, I love to party, I love to do drugs, all that stuff. And I thought that's what life was about back then. You know, so I did that from the time I was 13 years old. And you know, everybody I hung around with did it. It was just, you know, what we did. So I grew up with that. When you were
0: doing this, did you feel guilty? You just didn't care? You, I mean. Well,
1: Wow. I would I mean, say you just said, yeah. didn't care, you know. I mean, I basically it was never real to me back then. Jesus was never real to me, you know what I mean? I knew him from going to church and I knew who he was, and but I think there's a big difference between just knowing it and when it's real to you. And it wasn't real to me back then, so I just did my own thing.
0: What wasn't real about it when you were just like, I'm, I don't care, you know, like what made you feel like it wasn't?
1: From my experience, until you've been like through the fire and you've been through something, you know, hardcore and God reaches down and touches you, you know, that's when it's real to you. When he shows up in a real and powerful way, and you know, and now uh, that's what's real. There's a high price to pay for sin. All sin is fun at the beginning when you, you know, that's what hooks you and it's, Sin's only pleasurable for a season, but after that it it's not as pleasurable anymore once you're hooked on you know the drugs and the alcohol and all the things and i uh, you know what it wasn't like the happiest time you know there there was ups and downs, but once something like that grabbed a hold of you you know I'd classify that as an addiction or a stronghold once that gets a hold of you, there's not a whole lot you can do outside of, you know, the Lord's help that will get you away from that. You might not really like it anymore, the pleasure of it's gone, but the hook's in your mouth. Alcohol, pot, I mean, you name it. I did a lot of other drugs, but pot seemed to be the drug that I enjoyed the most, that and drinking. There was, like, all kinds of stuff, you know, in the early 20s or whatever, you know, that Things that would happen, he's my best buddy, the only true friend I ever had that I would consider a friend. He was a great guy. We used to work out together. Whenever he'd come over, he'd always bring my one daughter. She was like three or four at the time. He'd always bring her a bag of gummy bears. We were almost together every night, but that night we weren't. He had met some girl. I didn't even know her yet, and he was out at her house. And uh, he was pretty hardcore, man. I mean, he he liked to get down. And uh, had a bunch of drink, and he started taking uh, sleeping pills on top of drinking real heavy. And he'd get messed up bad. And uh, was on his way home from her house one night, drunk, you know, all pilled up. Ran off the road, hit a bridge embankment, rolled his car, and it rolled over on top of him. He landed like halfway out of the car, and just that was it. Took him out. feel guilty about this? Yeah, you know, it doesn't haunt me, but uh, that's one of my regrets in life, is not being where I should have been back then and I could have helped, you know? I wish I was, where I'm at now, I wish I was back then, but I lost him and that was real tough. I had quite a few wake-up calls, but none that I was willing to give it up for because, you know, I, I enjoyed what I did. I had fun. And uh, what later on would turn not to be fun, but you know, it's hard to break that habit once you get into it. It's not, it's not something very few people can put down bits and pieces of it, but almost nobody can take that whole lifestyle and just throw it to the side. And it's really hard when your your whole group of uh, circle of friends and most of your family are are doing it too, right? So even though you might not want to anymore or, or you realize what it's doing to you, it's hard to break that when everybody around you is doing the same thing. And what was it doing to you? Just unhappiness. Sure, while you're getting high or while you're drinking or partying, you, know, you think you're happy, but you're not really happy. Then you wake up the next day and all the problems that you had before are still there. God blessed me with a wonderful wife and family, even when I didn't deserve it. And I know there's only you know, one reason that I got what I got as far as my family, and that's cause the Lord blessed me. And that's something I've never really understood and still don't, because like back then I was like the last person you would ever think that he would bless like that. I was still the same person I was. I tried to clean my act up a little bit because I had a wife and kids, you know. I did what I could do my in my own self, which wasn't a whole lot. I gave up drinking for the most part because of uh, I had to, <laughs> that, that, that got ugly. But uh, I had a good job, I've always had a good job, and uh, I had an offer to get an even better job. I took it and I left and uh, got down there. First day, first thing I do, load you up in the bus, send you off to the drug test facility, do the test, go back to the trailer. Guy comes back in there about a half hour later, uh, hey, you need to come with me. For what? Just come over here. And he told me I flunked the drug test. I mean, this was the first day. And I did, I flunked it. They canned me, flew me back. And uh, so I was without a job, and uh, that hit pretty hard. ended up getting my old job back, but uh, in the meantime, I got injured at work and I don't really know how I got injured, but I did, I hurt my back. I messed my back up and I was in a lot of pain. So I had uh, a couple of really bad discs and a uh, arthritis of an 80-year-old, they told me, 80 year old person in my back. And I had fell on the floor a couple times in the house. They had to call the ambulance to come get me, pick me up off the floor, wheel me into the hospital, shoot me up the morphine. You know, it was, it was that bad. I mean, I suffered. Went to the doctor, they said, yeah, you're gonna have to go through pain therapy and pain management and all that stuff. Well, I ended up getting hooked up with this guy. He was a good doctor, I think he meant well, but he would give you anything you wanted, pretty much. I mean, anything. And when you tell a up, you know, when he gets that idea, then, you know, it's over. And it was. It was legitimate. I had back pain. I was sore. You know, they wanted to do operations on me. But uh, even when I wasn't in that big a pain, I would make out like I was, right? Go to the doctor, and it went on for years. Hey, you know, that ain't doing it anymore. You gotta, you gotta up it.
0: So, how many years do you think this this window is of pain medication? Um,
1: probably twelve or thirteen. Yeah, it was it went for a long time, and uh. I got into prescription medication, like hardcore. I mean, it wasn't just like Vicodin and Percocet's. I mean, it was like Oxy- Oxycontin's, Dilaudid's, you know what I mean? By the handfuls, you know, once... That stuff's just like heroin. Once it gets a hold of you, a little bit won't do it anymore. You gotta go more. It, it got to the point where my wife, she called the doctor and threatened him to sue him. She said, "You know, you're gonna kill, you can kill my husband." And, uh, and man, did I get mad. <laughs> that's what. That's when you know what matters to you is when somebody does something like that to you, and, and you, uh, you know, forsake heaven and home because you're so mad. And I did. And uh, I don't know why she stayed with me, but she did. She did it out of love because she loved me, and she didn't want to see me, you know, go through that because I would literally, like, we'd go out to eat uptown, and. Uh, I'd be sitting there not even really coherent just kind of and a uh, fellow you know my head fell over tongue fell out of my mouth I'm drooling on the table she gets mad you know gets up storms out Did you realize that you were addicted to Oh reasons? yeah hardcore and that was that was worse for me than the alcohol or the pot or or the, any of the other drugs that I used to do I mean it was just like having a huge heroin habit. I mean, you're not gonna kick that on your own. And it's the same thing, and it it got a hold of me bad. The job I went back to, they fired me. They did it dirty, but they fired me. Like there's ways to go about, like uh, letting somebody go that's got a problem. It was in the middle of the winter, they said, well, uh, everybody needs to take a couple of weeks off. You wanna take a couple of weeks off, take a little vacation, freezing cold. I was like, yeah, I'll take a little bit of time off. because so we never got laid off. And a couple of weeks went by, I called them up and said, hey, you know, when do you want me to come back? Uh, we're not gonna bring you back. This never happens, we work all the time. And this is the middle of February, and in my line of work, said, you're not gonna get a job at that time. You'd be lucky to get one in the middle of summer. So I had already spent all my tax return, had already spent all the money I had saved, redid my kitchen, so I'm sitting like on zero. Got four kids at home, a one-year-old, two-year-old, five-year-old and a 13-year-old and my wife. And I got nothing because I'm a drug addict. I had been out of work for months and months and I lost everything I had. Lost cars, uh, everything that could be repossessed was repossessed, the only thing I had was my house. And that was it, and that was by the grace of God, I think because of my family. That he helped me keep my house. I remember one day they were getting ready to shut my electricity off. And this was still when it's cold out. And uh, this was the last day, so I went down there and talked to him, drove down there, scraped up enough gas money, quarters through the couch, all that, you know, to get down there and told him, hey, I'll uh, give me a week. I get my unemployment check in a week, you know, I'll, I'll pay my bill. It's not that I don't want to pay it, I just don't have the money. I got kids at home little kids, little babies, you know, you can't turn my electricity off. I remember on the way home, just it came to my mind to start praying. So I did, I started praying and I didn't, I didn't just pray like say a little, you know, like please help me, Lord prayer. I cried out. I mean, I it was from the bottom of my heart. Lord, if you love me, if you know my name, you know, you gotta show up. I'm hurting, you know what I mean? I drove around the country for about an hour and just poured my heart out to him. And, uh, like, two weeks later, I got a call for an even better job, and uh, it did. I went in there, and uh, things turned around, but I was still an addict, you know? And uh, I had been to that point before, right before I got fired from the other job. I was uh, not set on fire, I wouldn't say, but I knew I was saved. I talked to Jesus every day, you know, praying. You know, you know when you're in when you're in His communion, when He's there with you all the time, and you talk to Him. And you know what I mean. You know you're there. You can feel His presence around you. And I remember one day at work, He told me to get rid of those pills. I thought, okay, you know, but I couldn't do it. And uh, I felt Him say it again: Get rid of those pills. Couldn't do it. And uh, as soon as, it wasn't long, man, I don't know the exact frame of time, but within a week or two, I had lost that feeling that he was there with me. You know, the, the, the know that you know that you know, it was gone. He told me to give that stuff up, and I wouldn't do it. Maybe a month after that, I lost my job. I know that he would have helped me, but I just wasn't ready. I didn't want to give it up. You didn't think you physically could, or you just didn't want to? I think both. I basically just turned my back. You know, I mean, that's the brass tacks of it. You know, I knew what happened, but I didn't care. Or maybe it wasn't that I didn't care, but I wasn't willing to change. I had felt a tugging in my heart. And, you know, watching my family suffer and all the things that they went through throughout that whole period... Uh, it was pretty tough and I think I just had enough and you know the it wasn't fun anymore the pleasure of it wasn't there anymore now it had become something that I didn't really want there but I didn't know how to get rid of it
0: for people who've never had an addiction and maybe don't understand what's the thinking on that
1: I'd watch my family suffer you know for months months and do without And it was like, I don't remember the exact time frame, but it was a long time. You know, when your family's everything to you and means more than anything in the world, and then to watch them suffer because of an addiction that you have, that's when you know it's bad. You would never let them suffer like that for anything else in the world. Wouldn't let anybody touch them. You know what I mean? Wouldn't let anybody or anything do that to your family except that.
0: Did you feel like they did look at you as a drug addict?
1: No, they never did. My family and my kids, I got a great one, and they always loved me for who I was. They've always looked at me the same. One day, I was uh, at work. It was a Sunday night, and... uh, I had been working like seven days a week, 16 hours, 18 hours a day. They were working crazy, stupid hours. But I was sitting in my truck. My wife had emailed me a uh, link to an evangelist we both like. And, uh, you know, I I had always liked, and uh, I had always enjoyed listening to his message, even when I wasn't saved. And I listened to that one night, and I can't explain it, don't know what happened, don't know why it happened other than to know I was hungry. And I had been praying, you know, but I haven't like, I wasn't given like a heartfelt, you know, like I did when they were shutting my electric off and I didn't have a dime to pay, you know, it wasn't like that. But uh, that night, when I listened to that, the Lord reached down and touched me in a powerful way, man. I, I just started crying, just bawling, just like a baby. And I felt it, I knew what happened. I was like, wow. You know, wow. I remember just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And calling out. And uh, I called my wife. I'm just sobbing like a baby, you know, just barely talk. She's like, what's the matter with you? And it's like at midnight, 1230. I said, dear, I've been saved. She's like, what? I said, yeah. So I'm telling you, it's real. God's touched me, you know? I'm changed, something's different. And uh, I told her I'm not who I used to be. uh, We talked and she cried. It was a powerful night. And uh, all that night, I was working midnights, and all that night, man, I just cried and wept and told him, you know, thanked him for what he's doing for me and how he changed my life. I knew from that second, you know, there wasn't no well, let's see what happens or, you know, I'm going to try to roll with it or there was none of that, man. I mean, it was like that, you uh, know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough for me to put into words, but it was real. It was real. And I think that's the key to getting delivered for a lot of people is you've got to be tired of it. You got to want to change. And if you honestly and truly desire and want to change and cry out to God, He will He will reach down and take that from you. I don't really know what it was about that night to be honest with you. I mean, I had watched that and I was praying and uh, it just happened. That was the night that the Lord had chosen. That's the only explanation I got. What did change that night? Uh, he healed my back. Didn't have a bit of pain after that. Took that addiction away from me. Um, never craved one again. Never, never craved any pot. And never craved any alcohol. I don't really understand why it happened like that, but the things of this world that used to I thought would bring me pleasure or that I would chase after. From that moment on, it nothing, nothing to me. The only thing that means anything to me is uh, God, Jesus and what they've done for me and my family. I don't know. I don't see that in in so many people and I don't know why, you know, I don't know what's different about me, but uh, it was... It was powerful, man, and since then, I haven't craved no drugs, no alcohol. He took the, you know, I used to curse like a sailor, you know, and uh, now it's, after he's done all that, you know, miraculous stuff for me, set me free. And even even greater than that is the peace and the joy and the happiness that he gives you when, when you know when something like that happens. No high I've ever experienced can even come close. You know, you wake up in the morning happy, singing, you know, praising the Lord. And uh, yeah, it's special. I think a lot of people that will go through the motions of religion This is the way I see it. Until you've been through the fire, until he brings you out of something where you're, you can realize his power and his majesty and what he can do for you, until you're in that situation at the bottom of a pit and there's nowhere else you can go. And when he reaches down and grabs a hold of you, picks you up, sets you on top of a mountain, you know, completely changes everything. When you mean business, he rescues you out of something like that. There's no way in your own power you can do. I mean, that's when it's real. That's when you know it's real, because it only could have come from God. It couldn't have come anywhere else. You know, that's what happens to drug addicts. It's a stronghold. There's Even if you want to get rid of it, because there's some people that can kick the habit for a little while, but that'll always be there. They'll always be thinking about it. That addiction will always be clawing at them to come back through your acquaintances and the people you know and different life circumstances that you might have dealt with differently. but. With me, man, when that happened, it just, nothing. I haven't had a craving. I haven't had anything, never a thought of doing it. Are you going to any AA or anything? No. When Jesus reaches down and touches you, you don't need that. It's gone. You know, whatever situation you find yourself in in life that. Uh, you know, that sin has gotten you caught up in, because it could be anything. It doesn't have to be an addiction or, you know, maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, uh, God is mighty. And and you know, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free and live an empowered Christian life. And if you turn from it, and honestly, with all your heart, want to change, and you cry out to him, man, he'll he'll reach down and touch you. whatever you were bound with, whatever situation you had, whatever you used to do, it can't compare to the peace and the joy and the love and just living every day knowing that you're going to heaven and it doesn't matter. And knowing, reading the Bible, knowing the promises that's it, that in the Bible that for, you know, Christians and, and standing on them and you'll see your life change in so many ways and for the better. So cry out to Jesus. If I could have lived with the joy and the peace and everything I got now and the happiness, and if I could have lived like that 15, 20 years ago, man, how much better would life be? It makes me happy to tell this story. Oh, I'm happy. There's so many people that battle things in life that you know they don't know where to turn or don't know what to do, or they might think they know the answer on their own. And nine times out of 10, they don't. And uh, man, if, Just give it to God, give it to Jesus, and uh, trust Him. Call out to Him, and don't say a little, Lord help me, you know, risible prayer. Cry out from the bottom of your heart. Let Him know that you're talking to Him, you know, and you're expecting an answer, and uh, it happens. It's real.
0: That was Mike Connors, who we'd like to thank for sharing his story. We'd also like to thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the program to hear more. I am Aaron Freinberger, and this has been State Road 49. State Road 49 is produced by Aaron Fryenberger, Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.